0: Hey what's up everybody, welcome to a new episode of Catholic Girl on the Radio. I'm Rita Sakali and today we are going through the series on Christmas or the series on the Nativity, this is episode one of that series and we are going to be talking about St. Ambrose's commentary on Luke 1 verses 5 through 25. Alright, my beautiful people. So, we are going to begin this series on Advent with Luke 1 and the commentary from St. Ambrose. And St. Ambrose is one of the doctors of the church that, as it stands today, and he's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful theologian. And you guys are going to experience how amazing he actually is. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was the one that aided in St. Augustine's um, conversion. So we're going to begin with this verse that says, There was in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a priest named Zachariah of the class of Abia, and his wife was on the lineage of Aaron and was named Elizabeth and both were righteous, having according to all the commandments and the regulations of the Lord without reproach. So with this verse, St. Ambrose begins something that's very interesting, which he says, okay, so the scripture kind of teaches us that there are people who deserve praise and not because of Their manner, but also because of their parents, who they are. It's not just that Zechariah and Elizabeth behaved according to all the commandments, that was a huge part of it, but also where they came from and who they are. And he, he says, okay, so what is the evangelist trying to tell us here? What does he want? Does he not want to claim for St. John the Baptist the nobility of his parents? The prodigy's life functions martyrdom? So he's saying, look, John the Baptist doesn't come of his own accord. Look at where he comes from, how good his parents are, and how amazing um that lineage is. And he gives other examples of this sort, like St. Anne, the mother of Samuel the saint, and Isaac received from his parents' nobility of piety. And here, he makes sure to say that this nobility is not as the world sees it, but, um, or, you know, like a king and their inheritance of his son or so forth, but it comes from a religious lineage and and he says such ancestors were needed by the herald of christ thus would he preach not for having suddenly conceived it but having received it from ancestors and infused by right of birth faith in the coming of the lord this is in terms of saint john of course and why is this why is this important to us today why does it matter well, I like to add to St. Ambrose's argument here that what you teach your children and your prayers matters. Maybe you don't come from a religious family. Maybe you are the first. But just like in anything, there are traditions that are passed from generation to generations in uh, in families. Maybe someone developed it and then it got passed on from one Generation to the next and there are undoubtedly things that you pick up from your parents that you want to give to your kids Well, why should it be any different when we're talking about God's love and faith and salvation? There are so many people that come from good Christian homes That never learned who Christ is And if asked who is Jesus odds are they'll say something along the lines of, well, he was a really good teacher. But as um as C.S. Lewis points out a Mere Christianity, well, if that's the case, if Jesus is just a good teacher, then there are three things that are possible because it's not possible that he's a good teacher. He never said he was a good teacher. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's actually... Who he says he is. And so you guys, with that, we need to be aware of what we are giving our children. St. John, St. John didn't just get this from himself. He actually got this by the grace of his parents. That's how faith grew in him. By the right of birth, yes, but also by all their goodness, by them living the true faith. And how do we know they live the true faith? Well, it's right there in the verse that we just read. Both were righteous, behaving according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord without reproach. They lived a good, faithful life. And I don't know what they taught him at home. I don't know what they spoke to him, but I'm sure they spoke to him of God. But even if they didn't, their actions did. Because at one point or another, your kids are going to stop you and they're going to ask, hey mom, or hey dad, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you so kind? Or why are you behaving in this way when the world wants you to behave in another way? And you are going to say and you are going to testify and that's going to be your moment where you can tell them well it is because of my faith in Christ it is because he is my savior and so that's something to keep in mind and so what does what does uh, St. Ambrose carry on with. He says, okay, so Zechariah, who is he? He's a priest. But not just a priest, not just any priest. He is of um, Abiyah's class, which at that time was a distinguished, uh, which distinguished him as someone from the oldest families. And his wife, it is said, was of Aaron's Aaron's lineage. So it's not only his parents, but his ancestors That provides St. John with all this nobility. So go back. All of you guys who are cradle Catholics, as they say, or cradle Christians, go back to your lineage. Look at how your parents passed on the faith. How your grandparents passed on the faith to them. And so it goes and goes and goes for years and years and years. And hopefully you can carry that with you as well. So let's continue on, you guys, with our, our journey through Luke uh, 1, verse 5 through 25 with St. Ambrose. And now we are at the point where he's talking about how both were righteous before God. And so the first term, mind you guys, says they were both righteous, having accord- be, Sorry, behaving according to all the commandments and prescriptions of the Lord without reproach. Now, he points out something. Okay, so people are going to say, oh, well, I thought no one can live without sin. How could they be without reproach, right? Everyone is a sinner. Well, saying, okay, if they're using this as an excuse for their sins, that's unacceptable, right? It's not because we have weakness doesn't mean we should, um, you know, say like highlight these weaknesses and never persevere right beyond them because if we keep saying that oh I can't run a marathon well maybe that's true for most of us but if we start training then eventually we will get to the point where we run a marathon so it is here Like if we are saying, oh, well, everyone is a sinner, so this is an excuse for my behavior or everyone's doing it, the entire society, it's okay everywhere in the society, then it's okay for me to do it. Well, that's really not not what we are talking about here. So without reproach, what does that mean? He says, okay, well, we first have to figure out what is without sin mean." Does it mean, does the person asking mean that this person who is without reproach, as in the case of Zachariah and Elizabeth, have never sinned, or is it that they stopped sinning? Well, if we say that they're without sin, if that's the definition of without sin, like they have never sinned before, well, that doesn't make sense, because the gospel tells us, or the uh, scriptures tell us, all have sinned and need the glory of God. And that's Roman uh, 3.23. Okay? So that's that doesn't make sense. So what does it have to be? It is. It has to be the definition of without reproach is someone who has stopped sinning. So maybe they were sinners before. Maybe you and I, of course, I I was, everyone is, you know, and was. Uh, because all have sinned and uh, need the glory of God. Maybe we were sinners before. But once we got to encounter Christ truly within our hearts, and got to know Him, and what does it mean to be saved by God? What does it mean to be Christ's? Then we may have stopped sinning. And I don't think it's possible for us to stop sinning altogether, which is why we have confession, right? We can go regularly to confession. We can start over. Just like a kid trying to learn something new. You fall off the bike. You don't just decide not to ride bikes anymore. You get back up and you ride again. And then you take off the training wheels and you ride. And you keep go- you keep going and you keep getting better and better and better. So it is with our spiritual life. The more we approach him, hopefully our sins become less and less frequent. And hopefully we're not making the same mistakes. As any teacher that is teaching, you know, maybe writing, you can't correct every single mistake in the paper. But as the year goes on, you focus on uh, the first semester, you focus on particular Errors. The second semesters, you focus on other errors. So it is with us until we become perfect. In the first season of our life, God focuses on certain things, and once we learn them, then he will go on and on and on to teach us so that we become without reproach. And so the Lord loved the church to the point of presenting it to himself glorious, without spot or wrinkle or anything like it but holy and immaculate, and that's Ephesians 5, verses 25 and 27. And so St. Ambrose says, For the church being recruited among the Gentiles, therefore among sinners, how made of defiled can be immaculate. How is that possible? Well, if if not because first the grace of God has purified it of sin, then it wouldn't be possible. So first, the grace of God purified it from sin. And then, because imposing a life without sin, she protected herself from the mistake. So what's going on with us? How is this related to us in this season of renewal, of a new start, of a new fresh beginning? Well, we get to know the salvation. We get to ask God for his grace to purify us from sin. And then we try once again to live a life without sin so that we are protected from mistakes. And yes, I guarantee you, 100%, we will fall into them. But hopefully this time we'd be stronger and it would not be repeated. God is good. And we ought to work with him towards towards perfection. And so... St. Ambrose goes on and he's like, hey, it is not without reason that the evangelist says righteous before God because those who are righteous before man are not equally righteous before God. So he says that others... Other is the gaze of man other than that of God. Man see the face, God sees the heart. Isn't that amazing? Really. When I look at a person, I see the face. I see their actions. And sometimes I misinterpret their actions, and sometimes you misinterpret other people's actions as well. Because that's something we do. We see the face. We don't see the heart, but God sees the heart. Maybe, you know, you encountered someone somewhere along the line where they were really, really nice, and they're, you're like, hey, I don't know why this person's so nice to me. Maybe they want something. The truth is, they were just nice. And we weren't able to tell that because we looked at the face and not the heart. But God sees both, and so when He says "righteous before God," He meant it. God looked at them and said, "This is it. This is what righteous looks like." And so Saint Am- uh, Ambrose says. Blessed truly, he who in the sight of God is just, happy he from whom the Lord deigned to say, Behold the true Israelites, in whom there is no dissimulation. That's from John 1, uh, verse 47. And he says, Okay, the true Israelite is the one who sees God, who knows that God sees him, and who reveals to him the secret of his heart. One is truly perfect only if one recognized by one who cannot be deceived. For the judgment of the Lord is true, and that's Psalm 18.9, and the judgment of men are often wrong, to the point that they often attribute to the unjust merits of justice. And while the just is pursued for their hatred or dirty in their lies, the Lord himself knows the way of men without blemish, and that's Psalm thirty six eighteen. You guys how often we attribute justice to someone who is not just because we don't see the true picture, the full picture. But God does. And he's amazing, and that's it's one of the best things that we can hear from. Him. Behold. A true Israelite, someone who recognizes. recognizes. Let's take a small break and come back in mean, a few. Okay, so we're now continuing on my beautiful, beautiful people with um, Luke one, and we are in Z- with Zachariah and the vision, and um, and so this is the second set of verses, and it says. And it came to pass, as Zechariah fulfilled the priestly office, according to the turn of his class, according to the custom of the priest, that fate appointed him to offer incense upon entering the temple of the Lord. And all the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. In the year, St. Ambrose really, you know, talks about or highlights the importance of Zachariah being a priest but he says this priest wasn't able to just offer um you know his blood once this priest was able was it was necessary for him to offer it for himself or the blood of the lamb for himself and for the faults of the people so it's not true an eternal priest. And uh, the true and eternal priest is Christ. And it says, you are a priest for eternity. And that's Psalm 109.4. So who is that? The eternal priest? He is, he who, this says, St. Ambrose, he who not by blood of the victims, but by his own blood, was to reconcile his father, God, with the human race. But then the blood was shed in the figure. So when Zechariah was doing this, it was figurative. In the figure, the priest was ordained. Now the truth has come. And so the truth is this eternal priest. And this is Christ who he himself offers his own blood for our salvation. And I think... There's a disconnect in a lot of us between what does it mean to be saved, who Christ really is, and why does it matter for us to have the blood of Christ himself? Around Easter time a few years ago, um, I was contemplating the cross and I couldn't help but think that we always think that God is merciful and God is just. But how could he be both? If someone sinned, then they deserve punishment. So, how could he be merciful and just at the same time? Well, there's only one way to do this, and that's through the blood of Jesus. God is so merciful that he sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we can have life. So that the justice is fulfilled through the blood of the lamb, through the blood of Christ, right no no longer a figurative lamb, and the mercy is fulfilled through Christ as well and through the cross. but going back to uh to our reading, the verse the next verse says, "And an angel appeared to him standing to the right of the incense, and here. St. Ambrose really wants to highlight the importance of appearance and the importance of seeing uh, seeing God and being able to perceive, as, you know, being able to see this angel first and then we'll talk about seeing God. But he says, okay, so God chose to allow the angel to appear to Zachariah and we see that God appeared to Abraham, right? And we see God appearing to to different people. Isaiah saw the Lord of hosts. And he highlights these places where there has been an appearance, a mystical appearance between humanity and heavenly creatures, as to say angels, or maybe God. Well, Here in these instances, it was God's choice that allows these unseen things to be seen. And a lot of us, um, or rather the majority of us really, we live by faith and that's the best part. We don't get to see these things. But there are certain pivotal moments that God says, okay, I'm going to allow you to have a vision. And sometimes these visions that we are allowed to see are particular to us and no one else sees them. We hear of apparitions all the time, right? From Fatima to uh, Lourdes to all these wonderful places where no one else but the person seeing the apparitions got to see. And that was by the choice of God. The rest of us have to live by faith. But here's the thing, here's something that St. Andrew, uh, St. Ambrose highlights that's really interesting, is that the sight that we're looking for is not a place, but a pure heart. That's how we get to see God. He says, it's not the eyes of the body that see God. He's not embraced by the gaze, nor the touch, nor heard in conversation, nor recognized in his approach. You know, like you would hear your dad's voice and you recognize that this is my dad. Or you'd hear his footstep walking up the stairs and you're like, oh yeah, dad is here. It's not like that. He says, it is believed to be absent. We see it. He is present and we do not see him that's the best thing is that we can live this faith and our faith is justified because of blessed are the pure ones for they are the ones who will see God and that's in Matthew. So God is seen in everything that we do. He's present in our faith. And like I said, we're justified even to those who make fun of our faith. Say, well, you're, it's not good. Or how could you believe in something that you don't see or doesn't exist? Well, he does. And we see him in our hearts and in everything that we do. And some of us do actually see him. And I think these are used as a mark. And, and it says even, you know, when we talk about Zachariah being silenced, it was for a mark for everybody, right? His silence wasn't just for him, but everyone who saw realized that he had seen something in the altar, So those of us who do get to experience those visions become a marker for everybody else to say, hey, you don't get to see that, but because of that person, you get to live that faith. And trust me, you guys, because of the way you live your life and your trust in God, people will get to see him through you. They will get to recognize him because they know you. And I don't know about you, but I always have this thought or this desire in my heart that says, one day when people pass away, people that I've encountered pass away, my hope is that they would see God and they'd say, hey, you must be Rita's father because she looks exactly like you. And, um, so that's kind of the hope you guys, you become that mark for everybody else through the eyes of faith or through your actual experience of physically, if I must say, seeing him. It's all you. So that's it for our episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please, please, you know, comment. Tell me if you like it. Tell me if you don't like it. Let me know what's going on in your lives. And I will be with you guys next week with a new episode. You could connect with me at The Word with Rita on Instagram, on Facebook, or on Twitter, or on YouTube at RitaSeghali, youtube.com slash RitaSeghali. And I'll be with you guys next week. Bye for now.